stem cells. We've all heard about them, but are you aware of the tremendous regenerative capacity they perform for you and what you can do to make them perform even better? Hi, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by an expert, soon to be Dr. Kristen Camella, who has been in this field for of stem cell research for about almost two decades. So she is going to help enlighten us about the, the enormous potential, regenerative potential of this, this modality. So welcome, and thank you for joining. Us thank you, Kristen. pleasure to be here. So I'm sure those of us, those who are watching would be interested to learn a little bit more about your background, and uh, so that can frame the discussion for us. Absolutely. So I began in uh, engineering. Actually, my degrees are in chemical and biomedical engineering, and in graduate school, uh, I did some work with a technique called magnetic cell sorting. Uh, what this means is that we can tag little nanoparticle magnets, very, very tiny magnets on cells and separate the cells based on the proteins that they express. And what we've learned over the years is that stem cells express different proteins than other kinds of cells in your body. And so that began uh, my career in the field of stem cells. I then worked for uh, several different companies, one which was a startup in Maryland focusing on using stem cells from the bone marrow, in particular culture expanded mesenchymal stem cells for meniscus regeneration. And the concept is that you could place these cells directly into the knee joint and repair or even grow back damaged meniscus. Uh, I then, then went to Tulane University and I ran the GMP facility or Good Manufacturing Practices facility, which is an FDA facility uh, at the Tulane Center for Gene Therapy. Uh, during my time there, we were focused on using bone marrow mesenchymal stem cells for spinal cord regeneration and really some amazing work and some, some really interesting things that you can do uh, in the field of spinal cord regeneration. I've now been with uh, a company called U.S. Stem Cell for over 13 years. Uh, our company was originally founded in 1999, and we began this process of bringing stem cells to the public in the cardiac space. Uh, we were interested in using stem cells in particular from uh, your muscle, which are called muscle-derived stem cells, to help repair the damaged myocardium in the heart. In other words, for patients that have a large area of scar tissue in the heart after they've had a heart attack, we could utilize these cells to repair and build strips of new muscle in the heart. Um, so our company treated our first patient in 2001, and since that time, we've treated over 7,000 patients, and we began looking at other indications uh, about a decade ago. And uh, we also began looking at stem cells from a variety of different sources. Sure. We're going to discuss the what different uh, sources that are available and the pros and cons of each and the progression of how those have advanced through time. But before we go there, I'd like to focus more on what stem cells are and what their potential is for healing. And then we'll, and then we'll discuss about some of the other strategies you can do to optimize <clears throat> any intervention using stem cells. 
So the concept is that every single one of us has stem cells inside our body. And the main purpose of these cells is to maintain and heal tissue where they reside. This is constantly going on inside your body. Um, every time you have damage or you've had cells that are living for an extended period of time, they get replenished and the stem cells are responsible for creating that new tissue. In fact, if you didn't have stem cells, you could only live for about an hour because there would be nothing to replace the tissue that has become exhausted. In addition, anytime your body is exposed to any sort of toxin, you might create inflammation. And this inflammatory process causes stem cells to home to the area to begin repairing any sort of damage that may have occurred as a result of that inflammation. And this is something that's constantly going on inside our body. I often talk about uh, the idea as an example that you might have gone to the gym this morning. And when you were at the gym, you might have done some squats. And as a result of that, you would get tiny tears inside the muscle. And the stem cells that reside beneath the muscle would come out and repair all those tears. And so the reason that if you continuously go to the gym, you would start to build new muscle is because those stem cells hard at work underneath your muscle are helping to repair and build that new muscle. And so this would apply to all of the tissues inside your body. Okay, terrific. Thank you for sharing that. And um, <clears throat> there, we'll discuss also the enormous potential for therapeutic implications of using this technology. But before we go there, uh, I'd like to focus on the simple strategies that one can do because you know I've heard you pre your, some of your presentations before, and um, the I guess the concern one might have is looking at this as a magic bullet. And you know we all love magic bullets, <laughs> don't we? But but. Uh, and I believe, I wouldn't be interviewing you if I didn't think there's enormous potential, but my concern is that people view this as a magic bullet and they just don't do any other components and strategies. And that's what I would like to discuss first is some of the strategies that you can do, which is to really nourish the, the stem cells. And you know, one of my focuses is on um, mitochondrial uh, function and optimizing that through nutrition. And you mentioned that the stem cells, without them, you'd be dead in an hour, but without mitochondria, you'd be dead in seconds. Sure. So, and, and I'm confident that they are largely responsible for the health of the stem cells and maintaining them through time. So, you know, it, maybe you can address that, these ancillary components of lifestyle measures that you can't abandon exposure to toxins or cell phones or, or your food and, and just expect to get a stem cell treatment and get better magically. Yeah, I think um, absolutely. There have been some unrealistic pressures placed on the field of regenerative medicine or stem cell therapy. Um, and that the initial thought was, oh, you're going to take one dose of stem cells and all your ailments will be cured and hooray, run off into the sunset. Um, unfortunately, that's not realistic. And so oftentimes when we are discussing with patients, <clears throat> what we'll coach them on is you have to create an appropriate environment for these cells to function in. So if you are putting garbage into your body and you're constantly um, burdening your body with toxins, your stem cells are getting too distracted trying to fight off those toxins. So by creating an appropriate environment, optimizing your diet, optimizing and reducing any other exposure to toxins, that will allow the stem cells that we're putting in to really home in and focus on the, the true issue that we're trying to treat. On the other 
other thing that we've discovered over the years is that this is not going to be the type of thing where you take one dose and you're cured forever. Your tissues are constantly in a state um, where they're getting damaged or they're getting exposed. And so you're going to have to be able to repeat dose and use those stem cells to your advantage. When you think about a lizard that loses its tail, it takes that lizard two years to grow back the tail. Um, so why would we put unrealistic expectations on the stem cells that we're trying to apply to repair or replace damaged tissue? This is a very slow process. This is something that will occur over months and may require repeat dosing. In fact, most likely will for many cases, as I'm sure you would, would echo those sentiments. And so before that, I think the next step that I'd like to pursue, and I'll leave it up to you, which you think would be better, is the therapeutic indications or that probably we should start with where the stem cells come from. Uh, yeah. Because historically, they've been known to become from bone marrow, uh, which has been used for bone marrow transplants for keep people getting different types of chemotherapy and for other reasons too. So why don't you walk us through that, the history of that, because I think it's really interesting. And then as you're discussing that, if you could uh, interject the use of platelet PRP or platelet-rich plasma, which is frequently confused for stem cells. Absolutely. So first, um, sources of stem cells. You can actually get stem cell from just about any tissue inside your body. Every tissue inside your body is going to contain stem cells. One of the earliest um, locations that we were isolating stem cells from is the bone marrow. Um, this has been used as bone marrow transplants for cancer patients since the 30s. Uh, so it, it's well accepted. It, it's technology that's been around for a while. But it turns out that your bone marrow actually has a very low amount of these mesenchymal stem cells. And mesenchymal stem cells are the stem cells that we think uh, are really the most important. These are the ones that are going to help to trigger what's called an immunomodulatory response or a paracrine effect, which means they send signals out to the rest of your body and call cells to the area to help promote healing. Um, so what we've discovered over more recent years is that a more plentiful source of stem cells is actually your fat tissue. Uh, so the fat can contain up to 500 times more cells than what your bone marrow can contain as far as these mesenchymal type stem cells. One thing that's also critically important when you're talking about isolating the cells is the number of other cells that are gonna be part of that population. So when you're isolating a bone marrow sample, this actually is very high in what are called white blood cells, which are the pro-inflammatory. Uh, white blood cells are, are part of your immune response. Anytime you have an injury or something foreign that comes into your body, the white blood cells are going to come in and they don't discriminate. They wreak havoc. They mess with the pH. They really blow up the joint. And so what happens second is that your stem cells, in particular your mesenchymal cells, will come in and quiet down the white blood cells. And then they start to promote the regeneration phase and you get the new tissue. So the problem with a bone marrow sample is that it tends to be very high in these white blood cells and actually very low in the mesenchymal. So this is one of the reasons that we moved into uh, isolating the cells from the fat tissue. Uh, by contrast, we have a very high population of mesenchymal cells and a very low population of white blood cells. The benefit also of of isolating fat. It's a, it's a relatively simple procedure, and there's, there's typically no shortage of fat tissue, um, especially in Americans. That's true. Although uh, I neglected to mention at the beginning of this interview, I've actually had this procedure done. This was before I knew 
of of of, uh, of you, and uh, you didn't even know that I had it done at your procedure at your and your story in my cells there. But but I'm one of those few Americans who don't have a lot of extra fat, and it was relatively uncomfortable for me because I had to like search and find it, and so it was you know. And and the so let's talk about some of the downsides of it. I think. Obviously, I'm convinced it's the best way to go. And as you write, two thirds of the people in the country are overweight, so most people could benefit from using it. But the downside, as I understand, is that it's the best time to do it is initially and extract as many as you can, because the second time you go in, you actually get scar tissue that makes it a more challenge to, to harvest the cells. And then it costs a lot more. I mean, this is a liposuction. This is another term for it. And it needs to be done by someone who's very skilled. And it's typically a plastic surgeon. And the cost for that can be quite considerable. And it's typically not covered by insurance. But it is, from my perspective, and and I certainly want to hear your thoughts on it, the, the, the best physiological strategy to harvest your cells. Yeah, so fat is a protected source, uh, meaning that it's not subject to some of the immunodeficiencies or other diseases that tend to be present in the bone marrow. Uh, so by isolating the cells from your fat, you can get cells that haven't really been subjected to the same uh, insults that your bone marrow has. Um, so as you age, your bone marrow uh, declines with regards to the number of cells in it, whereas the fat tissue maintains uh, a, a pretty high number of stem cells even in older individuals. Uh, we can successfully harvest fat off of just about anyone, uh, regardless of their age or how thin they are. Um, it, the, the procedure is done under local, meaning that the patient stays awake. They don't have to go under general anesthesia. And we can harvest as few as 15 cc's of fat, which is a very small amount of fat, and still get a very high number of stem cells. So, um, the, the process to do it is we put some numbing solution just below the skin and then pull out that fat tissue. It typically takes us about 30 minutes to do that. Uh, it's an outpatient procedure that they're not required to be uh, restricted so much. And the, the safety profile is very strong. Um, as far as adverse events, um, there's been you know a handful of irritation at the site or soreness, um, and those are typically resolved within a couple weeks. Yeah. So, the, but it does cost more because of the, the typically the uh, plastic surgeon that's required to be involved in harvesting it. I would assume. Uh, yeah, we don't actually use a plastic surgeon to oh, do these don't. procedures. No, these are just outpatient. It can be done by general practitioners because we're not doing a full body lipo and there's no general anesthesia. Uh, you know, you aren't required to go into that full kind of plastic surgery mode. Uh, it can be done relatively easily um, as an outpatient. Okay, good. Now the downside, because you know, I think it's fair to put the downsides of both uh, possibilities is the bone marrow is that it's a lot more painful. I mean, this is tolerable. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, but bone marrow for a number of people I spoke to is just really quite painful. Even yeah, unfortunately, you can't anesthetize the bone, so that does tend to be uh, a little bit more uncomfortable tapping a bone marrow. Um, and then the other thing that I, the reason I, I moved away from doing cells from the bone marrow is because once you deplete the bone marrow, it's very challenging for the body to replenish that. So, um, you know, it, it then it, the body has to kind of go into a recovery mode uh, that's much more challenging than removing the fat tissue. Um, and a lot of this has to do with we tend to have some excess fat. Now, some interesting things on when we harvest the fat that we've noticed um, for patients that are on a very healthy diet, meaning they're, they're 
focusing on organic foods. They're eating grass-fed, grass-finished beef, uh, free-range chicken, these type of things. Their fat is very hearty and almost sticky. And we can grow much better and faster stem cells from the fat than somebody who eats uh, more of a grain-type diet or is exposed to a lot of toxins in their diet. Their fat tends to be very fluffy, buttery, uh, yellow. And so the cells that come out of that are not necessarily as good a quality. Um, so it's just been very interesting. And of note, patients that are cigarette smokers, their fat is actually gray tinged in color and the stem cells do not grow well at all. All right. So just a reaffirmation of the importance of abiding by healthy lifestyle processes prior to this, to your harvesting of the stem cells. So there are now, what you just described is what's called an autologous uh, uh, donation. Basically, you're getting the cells from yourself. But there are a number of companies out there are providing uh, non-autologous, usually harvested from women, like amniotic, embryonic cells, uh, mesenchymal cells. And I'm wondering if you could discuss that and compare the two, because I think it's an important distinction. Yep. So uh, there are now just a couple of studies that have been published comparing an autologous source, meaning cells from your own body, to an allogeneic source, meaning cells from someone else. And so far, what has been discovered is that the autologous cells, meaning your own cells, will outperform somebody else's cells inside your body. Now, this is not fully understood at this point. It may be that the environment that your cells function in, uh, they're used to that environment. They recognize it. It's the same. DNA and they, they can function well. However, once you culture expand and get a pure population of these mesenchymal cells, so not necessarily this sample that's coming right off of the liposuction, but a sample that has been taken to the lab and grown, uh, those cells will not elicit an immune response if you use them in someone else. So you could uh, scientifically and medically use those in a non-matched person. However, that does, uh, there are some regulatory aspects of that, uh, you know, with regards to the FDA and you have to be under specific clinical trials, et cetera. Um, now in the United States, there are a variety of new products that are available which are referred to as amniotic or cord blood products or placenta products. These products are prepared at a tissue bank. They must be prepared at a, a facility that is registered with the FDA uh, according to the FDA registration for tissue banks. And these products must undergo additional processing, meaning they would be morselized or snap frozen or blended in some way, uh, to, to put it more in layman's terms. When they do this, what it does is typically uh, break the membrane. And so what you've done is release growth factors and they become what is called an acellular product, meaning there are no living cells remaining in that sample. So any of the amnio products that are available in the United States are not necessarily a stem cell product, but more of a growth factor product. Uh, and they can be useful in creating an immunomodulatory response, which can help to promote healing. Uh, but it's going to be slightly different than the living stem cell procedures that can be done, either isolating cells from your fat or your bone marrow. Uh, so uh, oftentimes patients may not see the clinical benefit that that they're truly trying to get when they use an amnio product, but mostly because these are acellular products. Now, there are some facilities outside the country that are utilizing culture-expanded amnio products, uh, which may have living cells, but inside the U.S., these are going to be acellular. 
And I just want to contrast that to what are called embryonic stem cells. So the products that are obtained from cord blood from women who are having babies are not embryonic stem cells. Embryonic stem cells are when you are first bringing the egg and sperm together. Three days after that, you can isolate what is called an inner cell mass. This inner cell mass can be used to then grow cells in culture, or that inner cell mass could eventually lead to the formation of a baby. Those are embryonic stem cells, and those are pluripotential, meaning that they have the ability to form an entire being versus adult stem cells or stem cells that are present in amniotissue are multipotential, which only have the ability to form subsets of tissue. Uh, now, when you're dealing with different diseases or damaged tissue or inflammation, mostly you want to prepare tissue. So if somebody has damage in their knee, they don't necessarily need embryonic cells because they don't need a baby in their knee. They need new cartilage in their knee. Sure. Well, thank you for, for expanding on that. And maybe we, you can touch on the platelet-rich <clears throat> plasma, which is also considered and used by many and with a fair number with good success stories. Yep. So inside our peripheral blood, we have something called platelets. Um, platelets are a little bit like the first responders. Whenever you have an injury, your platelets will come in and they start to uh, form a clotting mechanism. They prevent you from bleeding out. And that's really kind of minor in the scheme of things of what platelets will do. They will now send messages to the rest of your body and to the area and start commanding everyone to do things. Uh, so they might command your stem cells to hurry up and get over here and start making copies and start growing. Or they might command your stem cells to start differentiating and forming new tissue. Uh, so th the platelets are really kind of um, important commanders of the whole thing. So what you can do is take a sample of your blood, um, so just by tapping the vein on the arm, and then centrifuging or spinning the blood and isolating different populations in the blood, in particular the platelets, which will exist inside the serum or the yellow part of your blood. These platelets also have many different growth factors associated with them, uh, which can help to promote healing and can also help to stop inflammation. So you can apply that platelet-rich plasma to an area that's inflamed. So for example, uh, one of the most common uses of platelet-rich plasma or PRP is in a joint. Now, platelets are going to be most successful in something that is rich in stem cells. And something that is rich in stem cells is going to be an acute or a very recent injury. So if you just hurt your knee, the first thing you should do is go out and get PRP because it's going to help to promote healing. And those platelets will attach to the surface receptors of the stem cells that are already going to the area to promote healing. And it would be like putting fertilizer on your seed, which was the stem cells. If you have something that's more chronic, uh, this tends to be a stem cell poor environment. In other words, you have osteoarthritis or you've got knee pain that's five years old and it's been there for a long time. Just putting PRP in it would be like putting fertilizer on dirt without planting a seed first. Okay, good. Thank you for that expansion. And now maybe we can discuss the different clinical indications for this because they are wide and quite extraordinary and it's fairly impressive what properly applied therapy can uh, uh, produce. So maybe if you can discuss those, that'd be great. 
So one of the criticisms that, that we often hear uh, is if, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And so when you hear about uh, stem cell clinics saying that, hey, we, we can use stem cells to address a variety of different issues, everything uh, from orthopedics to neurological conditions, um, you know, one of the criticisms is oh, that's probably not true. When you sit back and think about the science, it makes complete perfect sense. This is exactly how the cells work inside your body. These cells go to every tissue from the top of your head to the bottom of your toe and promote healing. So why would we not take advantage of this science that is produced inside your body? We don't have to manipulate these cells in any way. They naturally know how to home to areas of inflammation, how to help repair that, and how to reverse damaged tissue back into healthy tissue. So all we're doing is harnessing the cells from one location where they're sitting dormant and relocating them to exactly where we want them and we need them to work. So basically anything inside your body that is inflamed, that is damaged in some way, that is lacking blood supply, uh, the cells can be successful. So to break that down, that means orthopedics, knee injections, shoulder injections, osteoarthritis, um, acute injuries, ACL tears. Um, that means uh, in your 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 back, back pain associated with degenerative disc disease or damaged tendons and ligaments or herniated and bulging discs. You can also use it in systemic issues, everything from diabetes to cardiac to lungs, um, any tissue organ inside your body that's been damaged, autoimmune diseases. The stem cells are naturally immunosuppressant, meaning that they can help to quiet down an overreactive immune system and help the immune system function in a more normal way. Neurological diseases, traumatic brain injury, ALS, Parkinson's, um, all of these have to do with tissue that's not functioning properly and the cells can be used to address that. Yeah, it's quite impressive. The list of different diseases could be benefited from that, <clears throat> this, this intervention. So again, want to reemphasize that it, this is not a magic bullet, that it's done in conjunction with optimizing lifestyle factors, especially the approaches that optimize mitochondrial function, like your diet and exercise and sleep, uh, exposure from toxins, uh, detoxification of toxic influences. So those will all work very powerfully synergistic and it will it will uh, radically improve the, the benefits you receive from this intervention. So uh, you didn't, didn't mention that this is anti-aging and that's a, an interesting strategy because <clears throat> at this point, I think if you're really diligent, you could pretty and you are able to avoid accidents, you could pretty easily live to be over 100, maybe even 110. 120 is pushing it. But uh, even with stem cells, I don't think you'd be able to do it. But at least you'll keep the tissue health healthy until we're able to uh, take advantage of technological innovations that are not yet invented or available that we can then ex extend that even further. So why don't you talk about that aspect of it? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, so for myself personally, I've been dosing myself with stem cells for years. Um, and I actually feel better now than I did 10 years ago. Uh, you know, the ability... You're, you're 70 or 80 now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, you know, the ability to reduce inflammation inside your body is basically making yourself live longer. Inflammation is what kills us all. It's what makes our telomeres shrink. Um, it, it's what causes us pain, discomfort, et cetera. It's what makes the tissues uh, start to die out. So the ability to dose yourself with stem cells and bring down your inflammation, uh, which is most likely caused by any sort of toxin that you've been exposed to, uh, which, you know, breathing air is exposure to toxins. Uh, so, you know, this is going to lengthen your lifespan. Uh, and I typically will do a dose every six to 12 months, regardless of what's going on. If I have anything that's bothering me, if I tweak my knee at the, at the gym, uh, then I absolutely will come in and do an injection in my knee. I want to keep my tissue healthy for as long as possible. I want to stay strong and I don't want to wait until something is wrong with me. I think that this is the future of medicine. This is what we're going to start to see. People will begin to get their regular doses of stem cells, um, um, and it'll just be common practice. Of their own stem cells. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the component to be aware of here, though, is that uh, there's a gradual um, and progressive decline in the quality and the number of stem cells as one ages. So it would be anyone who's considering this, it would be to your advantage to get them as quickly as possible because they're only going to get worse. They don't get better as you age, they get worse. So why don't you speak to that and the possibilities of actually banking your stem cells, with this, which is the company you've been working for the last 13 years. That's one of their primary functions is to provide this source of stem cells for the future so that you could either use them for proactive preventive strategies like anti-aging like you're doing or to use them for an accident or an unexpected illness like yes. a heart a heart failure yeah. So your stem cells are never as young as they are right now. Uh, every minute that you live, uh, your telomeres are shrinking. And so the ability to lock in the youth of your cells today can be very beneficial for you going forward and for your health going forward. And God forbid something happens. You know, what if you have a heart attack? You're not going to get clearance to get a mini lipo aspirate procedure. If you have your cells waiting in the bank ready for you, it becomes very easy to pull a dose and do an IV delivery of cells. It's almost crazy criminal that we're not doing this for every single one of our cardiac patients. This should be standard practice. We should be having every single patient bank their stem cells at a young age and have them waiting and ready and available. The technology is there. We have it. I'm not sure why this technology is not being made available to everyone. Well, we've got a better alternative. It's called statin drugs. <laughs> yeah, terrible, right? Yeah, the, you know, I think, um, you know, stem cell therapy is very different than traditional medicine. Stem cell therapy may actually make it so that you don't have to be dependent on pharmaceutical medications. Um, you know, you can actually repair the tissue and that's it. It's, it's repaired. Uh, so this is a very different way of viewing medicine. And there maybe isn't so much money for, uh, for example, big pharma to make. So there is going to be some resistance there. Well, let's talk about the cost for a moment. Now, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, I've actually had this procedure done through one of your client physicians who uh, actually did the extraction and then banked them at your place. And I never even knew that you existed prior prior to uh, me becoming aware of, uh, of you a few months ago. So mm -hmm. it was, I mean, this, there's not enough financial incentive for me to do this because I've already had the procedure done. But for those who aren't, Typically, for the most part, this is an out-of-pocket expense that is not covered by your insurance. So let me make that really clear. You can't go to your doctor and ask them to do this and expect to have them bank this cell. So why don't we talk about how the process occurs and you know the typical range of costs involved in, in doing this? 
Right. So I think uh, the typical range is around five to fifteen thousand dollars, depending on what you're having done. Uh, so something that would be more involved would be disc injections. Those tend to be more expensive. You have uh, anesthesiologist, pain management specialist involved. You need a, a C arm for fluoroscopy, visualizing. Um, and uh, probably on the lower end is going to be your IV treatments, your joint injections, and then storing those cells. Now, when you think about the cost of healthcare, uh, pharmaceutical medications that you might have to purchase every month, or um, the cost of getting a knee replacement, and your out-of-pocket costs associated with this, this is just a drop in the bucket. And this is something that that I think every patient should uh, get. It, you know, it's it's really relatively low in cost uh, compared to some of those other things. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's accessible for patients. It's an outpatient procedure. You plan to be in clinic for about two hours, very uh no real limitations afterward, just no submerging in water, no alcohol, no smoking for a week. Uh, but other than that, patients can resume their normal activities and, and go about their regular daily lives. Yeah. Since you're, and you're, since you're not sedated, you can drive yourself home. You don't have to have someone drive you to the procedure uh, back home from the procedure. So it's another, another plus. So your company also trains uh, clinicians to do this, and maybe you can talk about that process. And if anyone is interested in this, how they might be able to identify someone who has these skills and can bank themselves for the future. Yeah, so uh, probably about seven or so years ago, we started realizing that there was a gap uh, between what was taught at universities for uh, physicians going through the program um, and what could be done with regenerative medicine. And so we decided that maybe this is something we should address and begin to uh, teach doctors about the different applications because this is in our lifetime and in those doctors' lifetimes, they're going to start applying these to their patients. So they need to truly understand so we developed some CME courses. They're fully accredited courses for physicians to come and learn about regenerative therapies, learn how they can apply these therapies, um, get the protocols, apply the different techniques for their specific patient population in their practice, um, and actual hands-on courses where they can learn to do the mini lipo aspirate procedure uh, and a variety of different protocols. This has been hugely successful. We've trained over 600 practitioners worldwide who have then brought the therapies to their patients. And uh, our goal is really to get this treatment to as many people as possible. We feel that patients can benefit greatly from these therapies. And so by training the physicians about it, it helps to provide access to their patients. So if someone was interested in having this procedure done, how would they find one of these physicians who have been trained through your, uh, um, they can contact us okay. and tell us. Uh, so uh, our our website is usstemcellclinic.com. Uh, if they contact us, all, we can. Is that all one word, no hyphens or anything? Yeah, all one word. Um, so we can let them know uh, whether you know they could either come to our facility or if there is a physician in their area uh, that is offering these protocols and procedures. And uh, depending on which indications they're interested in, there are different practitioners. Great. All right. Well, that's. Uh, a wonderful overview of a very important topic. And I think people would, uh, the story, uh, the information would be embedded more clearly if you could perhaps discuss a few patient stories and experiences with this, because, you know, they can have something to relate to when you do that. 
Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that we've been treating recently is something called traumatic brain injury. So these are patients who have had a head injury, uh, whether uh, they fell. Uh, we had a, a woman, for example, that fell two stories and hit her head. Um, she spent months in a coma and uh, was not able to talk or walk or uh, do any activities by the time she presented to us. She was two years after her injury. And the best hospitals in the world told her this was her life. Get your life in order. You know, you're, you're never going to be able to talk or walk or take care of your young children again. And so uh, that, that was just not good enough. And so she presented to us and we began applying stem cells uh, in a way to allow the cells to cross the blood-brain barrier and to get to her brain. And uh, after her first treatment, when she walked into the clinic on her own and began telling me in full sentences about the day uh, that she had had the head injury, uh, tears came down my face. Uh, this is the kind of thing that traditional medicine would say is not possible. We've had patients who were wheelchair bound, whether it's from MS or uh, Parkinson's, up and out of their chair, literally jogging around cones. Um, this is life-changing. Um, we've also had patients who have a knee injury. You know, they've had an ACL tear uh, and we can inject the cells directly into the joint. And patients who were told they weren't going to return to sport uh, ever or for years are, are back on the field and playing. Um, so, you know, there's just many ways that you can heal your tissue to change the course of an injury or a disease. Well, great. <clears throat> that is uh, certainly an important component. And I just want to, again, reemphasize the importance of using these adjunctive therapies because you had mentioned that this uh, patient who had a traumatic brain injury uh, had been to the best hospitals in the world. And my, my immediate response to that, at least the conventionally viewed best hospitals in the world, there was probably dozens of physicians who I know that could have helped them far more effectively, even without the stem cells, especially for TBI, because there's simple things like increasing the DHA, high quality DHA from, from clean, non-contaminated seafoods. And, use, and one of the newest interventions is using near-infrared light, which is like almost miraculous. And uh, actually feeds the mitochondria and the mitochondria and the stem cells. So not only nourishes the existing stem cells, but the ones you're going to use. So these are powerful adjunctive synergistic approaches. And to combine them is not to combine them is beyond foolish. Absolutely. So, you know, just, now, fortunately, in that patient's case, she did have a, a wonderful doctor that okay, uh, integrated a lot of other modalities. But a lot of patients don't even know about it. So we yeah. have to make it a mission to get the word out. Yeah. And obviously, these are typically clinicians who think out of the box and are open to other therapies and interventions and know and understand and recognize that the conventional model is fatally flawed in almost all the cases for the treatment of chronic degenerative diseases. Absolutely. So, uh, and that's where stem cells come in hand. And I, I think when you, you're implementing this, you're, you're going to get <clears throat> almost magical response. And it's very similar to the ones you described. And, and <clears throat> this intervention you might think it's placebo, of course, but we know that there's no placebo response in pets. So why don't you talk about the uses of stem cell intervention in uh, animals? Yeah, so we actually have a, a vet division, which is called Vet Biologics. Uh, and this is where we offer these similar type treatments to dogs and cats, 
small pets as well as horses. And uh, as you mentioned, a placebo effect is not really a thing for these animals. So we've had dogs who are uh, 12 years old, severe arthritis, having a hard time getting around, who are now jumping on furniture again, like puppies. Uh, so, you know, the ability to reverse some of the damage that's caused as we age is, is so powerful. And seeing this in an animal really helps you to understand that the true clinical benefit. Um, you know, I think that if this were all just placebo, there wouldn't be case after case, and there wouldn't be literally every major university uh, in the world studying stem cell treatments right now. Uh, there is something to this, and I think that it's time to begin, uh, it's time to bring these therapies to patients. They cannot wait anymore. Patients don't have the luxury of time. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention is sometimes we're criticized for not having uh, appropriate large double-blind placebo placebo-controlled trials for every single indication. Um, but when you think about placebo-controlled trials, these are done by pharmaceutical companies who are trying to sell something in a bottle. So they're incentivized to pay for these large trials because they have something to sell. Uh, when you're talking about using cells from your own body, there is nothing for someone to sell there. So there's not going to be a group who's going to come forward and pay for the large double-blind placebo-controlled trials. So patients don't have the luxury of time to wait for that, especially when there's no budget or funding for it. We must get these treatments to patients right now. We cannot wait anymore. Patients don't have the luxury of time. What do you think are some of the biggest confusions or myths about stem cells and the, the misconceptions that people might have about it? So uh, I actually think that people often talk about, are stem cells going to cause overgrowth of cancer or tumor formation? And this is more associated with embryonic stem cells, which tend to grow very rapidly and can form something called a teratoma uh, because of the rapid growth of the cells. Adult stem cells, which are the cells that are obtained from us, are uh, having something called growth inhibition. So they will not form these teratomas. And the concern or the theoretical concern that has been addressed in kind of animal models or in Petri dishes is that if you take cancer cells that are growing in a dish and you apply stem cells, it may make those cancer cells grow more rapidly. But this does not translate in vivo to humans. And if there was truly an issue with applying Cancer, uh, applying stem cells to a patient who has cancer, we would know about it by now because we've been dosing cancer patients with stem cells since the 30s. The safety profile is strong and there are tens of thousands of patients um, documented with these treatments. Um, now, one of the things that occurred this past year uh, is that the FDA held a hearing to discuss some of these treatments and how they should be regulated and, and what should be the involvement of the FDA. And they brought forward a case with a patient that had had um, small tumors forming after they had received injections. And in the fine print, or not made so clear, uh, was that this patient actually received raw embryonic cells, which should not be in the same category as patients who are receiving stem cells from their own tissue, um, stem cells from their own body. Uh, so I think that you can always point to these rare cases that uh, don't necessarily translate and, and create fear. And that would be a mistake and a disservice to patients who truly need these therapies. Okay. I, I, my guess is that the average person wouldn't 
have uh, understanding deep enough of the technology to be aware that cancer was a potential side effect, but you nicely addressed that concern. But what about the more common myths or concerns, the confusion that people have about stem cells, aside from the cancer issue? Um, I would say, yeah, probably one of the most common questions I get is cancer. Also, patients are concerned about the uh, lipo procedure. Uh, are they going to be disformed in some way after we remove the fat? We're taking out such a small amount of fat, so aesthetically, you can't tell the difference. Um, I haven't heard too many other concerns uh, with regards to adverse events. Well, but that, those are concerns. What about confusions, people, misunderstandings that people may have about the technology? Yeah, I think some people uh, will say, oh, but I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not into that because I don't want to kill babies. And they address it from kind of a political ethical. Uh, so we do have to coach patients to understand there's a difference between the embryonic cells and the cells that you can obtain from your own body. Um, and that this doesn't fall into the issues uh, that may be having ethical or political concerns. Okay. And uh, how many companies like yours are out there that are providing these types of services? Are you one of the the only ones or are there no larger? Yeah, I think larger? at this point, uh, really, I only know of three groups that are doing this, ourselves included. Uh, so it is a relatively new procedure um, and new protocols. Uh, we've certainly been at it the longest. Uh, we were founded in 1999, which in stem cell years is ancient. Uh, and um, yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it's becoming more common. You're starting to hear more physicians getting interested in these techniques and therapies and starting to implement it into practice um, and more groups uh, popping up, which in my opinion is excellent for the field. Uh, the more proponents and, and people in favor of these procedures, the better. That's the right response. And actually response that Elon Musk gives when he's uh, actually challenged with a similar question and about his concern for competitors in the electric car field. He could care less. He would the more the merrier. That's his own mission in life is to spread that technology. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, let me uh, also ask you about ad coming advancements. You're in the field. You're not work with the experts. You read the literature. So you know what's coming. And uh, in addition, you know, we can reasonably expect in the near future or even your projections for the midterm future. So what do you think that stem cell technology can morph into and maybe even combined with some other emerging technologies that we could utilize it for, which would, re which would emphasize the importance of banking your stem cells, I would think. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I think we'll start to see is some of the different regenerative techniques being combined together. For example, gene therapy. Uh, so changing the expression of your genes um, and combining that with stem cell therapy or even some of the telomere products, the ability to uh, lengthen your telomeres and combining that with stem cell treatments. And certainly anything you can do to boost your mitochondria uh, is going to be critical. I love the different light therapies and combining that with stem cell cell treatments um, and, and putting this whole space to get together. Regenerative medicine is going to be a whole branch of medicine and stem cell therapy is just one small component of that. We're going to be able to change uh, so much of our genetic makeup. Yes, indeed. And, you know, with emerging technologies like CRISPR-Cas9 and even further refinements, it's uh, gene editing is becoming as simple as word processing is. And <clears throat> I'm sure many you probably are included, people watching this, remember when you used to type of a paper, you typed it on a typewriter and you, you had to put in the, the correct, the white correct. And, the, you know, now it's just so darn easy on your computer. It's, you can sure. just, and we're do, give me, 
approaching similar effortlessness in editing our own genes. So that technology is emerging and it's it'll be interesting to see what that holds, especially integrating it with stem cell intervention. So absolutely. All right. Do you have any other points you'd like to emphasize or, or bring up? Ah, you know, I just think this is the future and uh, the, the future of medicine is here today. Patients have an opportunity to get involved uh, in these therapies and, and truly reverse some of the damage that's been done to their body. And and for me, it's been life changing. And for, for so many others, it's been life changing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely there's a cost to it, but I think it's a relatively inexpensive form of insurance, insurance that you can have and use the rest of your life, even if it's only for anti-aging. Right. Uh, and you can when you have the procedure done, you can probably get 25 treatments out of her. So was, was that yeah, the, absolutely. From yeah. one bank dose, we typically get 20 to 25 uh, additional doses for, for future treatments. Great. All right. And, and if anyone's interested, they can go to your website, U.S. Stem Cell Technology Clinic, clinics, uh, U.S. Stem Cell Clinic dot com. Clinic, yeah. singular, not plural, clinic dot com. Yes, singular. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for so much for sharing your wisdom and your nearly two decades of experience. And I appreciate all the, the knowledge. Absolutely. Thank you for your time.